Good evening and welcome to NUFC Matters with me, Steve Wraith. It's Thursday night and I'm joined as always by Malcolm and Gibbo. Good evening, lads. Hi, Hi Steve. Good evening to you. Hi, John. Good, good to Hi, see man. you. And uh, we're hoping to give uh, the viewers at least one hour of uh, comic relief and uh, chat about Newcastle because it's been a horrendous day news-wise with uh, you know sure. the, the invasion of Ukraine. Now, I thought to with all the mm, people out there yeah. and let's hope that uh, let's hope that there's some kind of resolve to this because it's not a not a pretty picture that's been painted on anybody's television screen at no. this moment in time. But we will talk it about talk about football for the next hour uh but if you yes, want indeed. to talk if, if you want to talk about things uh such as the ukraine crisis then i will be doing my uh, uh weekly uh, news of the world show and that'll be at nine o'clock we've got special guest sean atwood tonight joining me lee davies and patricia devlin uh we'll be talking about uh, the ukraine crisis of course we'll be talking about uh, the new batman film and we'll be talking about is it still okay to smack a child so we've got quite quite a few things to talk about on there tonight join us at nine uh, eight o'clock till nine news of the world tonight but uh, let's go back to football john and uh we predicted a draw last week and we were right. Um, it was a good result. It was a good result. And um, I think what we've what we've gathered from most of the panellists this week on the show is that that was probably one of Newcastle's best performances. I, I honestly believe that it was, Steve. Uh, we're still unbeaten in 2022, which is great. OK, three wins on a trot didn't become four wins on a trot. But that was the only thing that was wrong with it. I think the display was as good or better than what i'd said was our best display which was against everton when we won 3-1 and the reason i think it was better without having the extra two points is because the opposition was so much better than everton were and yet we played so so well uh down there and uh, we've also got to remember that in playing so well our three most influential players weren't on the pitch in Kieran Trippier, uh, Alanson Maximum, and Callum Wilson, top goal scorer, top maker, and Trippier man for all reasons. Uh, they weren't on the pitch, and we still produced a performance like that, which is very reassuring to me now because we seem to be able to handle player crisis and still get out there and do the job. Yeah, yeah. Um, just on that, Steve. Um, one of the the main reason I think John was that Newcastle had a huge amount more of the ball. They mm -hmm. had a greater percentage of possession than West Ham. It was it was fifty two to forty eight in Newcastle's favour, and and prior to that, even against Everton, when Newcastle won three one at home, Newcastle had less than forty percent possession. I was going to say that must be the only one of the only times this season, Mal, where we've had more possession it's, over it's 90 the only, minutes. It, I think it's the only time, John. You know, yeah. so that that is um, and considering the West Ham, they're at home, they're in the top six, they're a good passing side. That was a hell of an achievement on the part of the Newcastle side. It really was, yeah. and I was, I, I, I wasn't just enthralled by watching them play, but I was just delighted for them. You know, it's always lovely to be in possession of the ball, you know, rather than chasing, chasing, chasing all the while. Yeah. And it, 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 
oh, for, for me, I, I just found it a joy to watch and the players were enjoying playing in it as well. It was great. Well, I think what was significant, guys, was one of the quotes from David Moyes afterwards when he said he was grateful to get a draw. He yes. was pleased yeah. with the draw. How, how often have we had that? They're, they're fifth top, they're playing at home, and he's grateful for a draw against Newcastle. Happy days. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and I think that um, I, I think that was him tipping his cap to just how well Newcastle played. Sure. Sure. You know, rather than Newcastle, rather than West Ham playing badly, he was he Correct. was letting Newcastle know they had played well. Correct. Yeah, one hundred percent. Kraft got a bit of stick, mind lads, on social media. I know you're not both uh, you're both not as fluent on social media as I am, but he, he got a bit of stick. Was it was it deserved? I mean, he gave away the free kick, but you know, we got a one-one draw against a team that was top four yeah. when we went it into went into the game. Steve, in, in all honesty, I thought that was the only real boo-boo that he made in the game. And and we're used to seeing to him having a litany of, of, of boo-boos. Um, and, uh, and, and I thought that he, he played well apart from that one mistake. So I think the criticism is a little bit over the top. It was difficult, though, you know, because we know that uh, the internet... It, it, it it's sort of a magnet for for the antis of this world and they just want to criticize and criticize um and not be constructive uh, and and really that mistake was the only thing i think that could be picked on in the whole of the 90 minutes i think i think you do get a situation malcolm where some people have got to see something wrong with everything that happens yes. in a game. Yeah. And, 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 the and of course, footballers are going to make mistakes, John. You know, yeah, they, they, they're going to get it slightly wrong. Every, of course. All and players do. Is, every team does. So. Yeah. yeah but, but really. So on that one, Mal, and, they, and you're absolutely right. They're going to make mistakes. There were so many good performances all over the pitch that you had a look, if you were that way inclined, for one that wasn't so good. Two things to say about their goal. Um, Kraft may have taken stick on social media. And if you want to be cruel, which I've got no wish to be, but the one thing Newcastle ought to have guarded against <coughs> was giving away free kicks around the edge of their box. Because there's only Manchester City and Liverpool, the top two teams, that have scored more times from set pieces than West Ham have. Mm. So you don't yeah. want to give away free kicks because sure enough, they'll score from them. And they did. And while I thought the free kick was re reckless and stupid, you must say in defence of Kraft that having given away the free kick, we defended it poorly. The, mm. the, the scorer mm. ran off the two centre-halves yeah. into the space and headed the ball in. So really... There was a mistake made by Kraft, but also we, we weren't alert enough on the free kick itself. But I really don't want to get into being bitty about Newcastle's performance at West Ham mm. because it was absolutely superb and we ought to concentrate more on that. I mean, I'm sitting watching that side, guys, and I'm looking at it. And not only am I grateful for the new signings we've made, like... Dan Byrne is an absolute colossus. 
target come back in at left back and looked what he did on his debut, a very, very good player. But I'm also looking and I'm thinking, Eddie Howe, you have done a terrific job here and here's why. Mm. Because all the players that used to be in the side under Bruce, etc., that we wouldn't have given the time of day to, like Joe Linton, like Fraser, whose body language last season was atrocious, like Shaw, who was a walking mistake, but has selected every game now, etc., etc., like Shelby, who was a trundler and is now pinging the ball. These guys who we would be saying should be the first out the door when Newcastle Revolution happens are now playing consistently well. Not mm. one off mm. well, Steve, consistently well. And I think that is a massive plus because this team was full of deadbeats and now they're not. Yeah, 100%. What are, what are your views on Chris Wood? Again, another player getting a bit of flack. I've stuck up for him on this show because I think uh, the stats prove everybody wrong who's having a pop at him. Um, I and, and I will back it up once again. Uh, most headed duels won uh, last weekend. Uh, top of the pile, Chris Wood, Newcastle, seven headed duels. Okay, he's not scoring goals. He's not banging in winners. Um, he's playing his part for the team, John. He is playing his part. He's winning the ball. He's laying it off, and he's allowing others to to get into play. That is the third week since he since he since he joined Newcastle that he's top of the Premiership, winning winning headed duels. And on top of that, we have not lost a game since Chris Wood played for Newcastle. Well, yeah, I mean, I accept that totally, and it is correct. I would just like to see him score a goal for his sake, more than for our sake, because. It will do his confidence the world of good. Malcolm would know a lot more than me or you, Steve, that if you are a centre-forward, however well you are playing in build-up, deep down inside of you is the thought, I must score my share of goals because I'm the centre-forward of the side. And so I am desperate from to score. Um I think it's not his fault he cost 25 mil. That was the close to get him out. I think he was surprised that we paid it. Uh, a bit shocked, maybe. Um, and I think it, it, it's become a tough call for him because he realises how much weight there's on his shoulders, especially with Callum Wilson out. And I think he'll benefit enormously when Callum Wilson is fit and can play with him. Um but at the moment, it's like saying, you know, we'll have a pop at Kraft, we'll have a pop at Wood, etc., etc. Hey, we don't need to have a pop at anybody. Things are going well for Newcastle United at the moment in comparison to how they've gone prior to this. Um, and so, you know, let's not be vindictive. But I think that he does need a goal as much for himself uh, and yeah. for certain fans. And for certain fans, because did you see the relief guys the other day, the match before last night, when Burnley had the, the great 3-0 win and they've shocked us in the last two games, the great 3-0 win at Brighton, the centre-forward they bought to replace Wood, Wood. And, and, and bought him for a lot less money, scored and scored an excellent goal. And the relief on his face as he ran mm -hmm. away, having scored the goal, 
to say I'm now on the mark uh, was absolutely enormous. And I think that happens with all centre forwards. Uh, yes, it does. And you would know that, Malcolm, better than yeah. anyone. Oh, it, it, you get that first goal and it, it just it just calms all the nerves down um, and and the game becomes a little easier. You know, that the, you, you, you're not under tension all, all the while. And of course, um, as each game goes past where you haven't scored, that pressure just builds and builds and builds and it's sitting on top of your head. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's difficult to live with. So he, you're absolutely right, John. He needs a goal, and 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 if if Newcastle can find their way into a in, into a situation um, on on Saturday or whenever where they can just not one in uh, um, set him up, do so, you know, and and that's that's a good show of 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 teamwork, teammates, and camaraderie. The ideal thing, Steve, is that we win 1-0 at Brentford and Wood scores a goal. Yeah. Yeah, that which, would be lovely. Which is what we said last week. You know, we're hoping that that was going to happen uh, last week. Um, it didn't, uh, but I'm sure that he'll continue in the same way. And I think uh, I think he will get something at some point. So let's hope it is at Brentford at the weekend. Uh, just veering off Newcastle before we go to the people in the chat, because a lot of questions coming in. A uh, couple of things I want to ask. First of all, who would you say, lads, is the most consistent manager in league football at the moment? At the moment? Yeah. This season or just any At the moment, at the moment, this season. This season, the most consistent manager in football? At the it, moment, yeah. That's a good old question, isn't it? In well, football, I know who when we say in football, do you mean in, the whole in, in the English league? leagues? Out of the 92 teams, who is right. the most consistent? Well, I know who isn't, Steve Bruce. Well, he is. Ah, I know that's where you're wrong. Because Chris no. Greer put this up. Bruce, 2021-2022 season stats. Two teams managed, 11 games played, one League Cup game played, eight games lost, four games drawn, four points from a possible 33, 0% win average, 66.66 loss average, 10 goals scored, 23 goals conceded, Minus 13 goal difference. There you go, lads. He is consistent. Consistently that, that, bad. That was it's funny, Steve. It, it's funny. When you asked, we always think immediately about who's the most consistent, like he's won the most games. And the reason I mentioned Bruce there is because in my column in the Chronicle tomorrow, in the Chronicle tomorrow, I've said that. How dare all the punters elsewhere in the country, you know, they, they, they big name alleged punters who mm. say we hounded Steve Bruce out of Newcastle and he was really doing a wonderful job. His record this season is that he's going to go in, he's still in the middle of February, he hasn't won a solitary single game, either for Newcastle or for West Brom. And he's supposed to be at his correct level now with the, the championship, he's supposed to be a championship manager. Well, they've played four uh, lost three and um, drawn one, and the, the Smoggies uh, give them a gold start the other night and still beat them. 
Well, I'm good friends. I am good friends with Steve Gibson's daughter, Victoria, and I did ring out to congratulate her on such a wonderful win the other night. So, yeah, <laughs> well, you, it was. Did uh, you I see mean, any got, of it? We've got to remember as well. It yeah. was a, a Gibson win over Steve Bruce. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the cheers, guys. <laughs> and the first goal of Middlesbrough's um, that I think it drew, it leveled up the scoreline. It was an absolutely super goal. It was, it was fairly simplistic, but it was just absolutely beautifully executed mm-hmm. all the way through. As, absolutely, as you know, lads, I do like to uh, I do like to chuck up a little bit of history on this show as well now and then. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jersey Mag sent this in. He goes, "Hi, Steve. I was wondering if Malcolm McDonald or John Gibson could remember much about this preseason fixture." I have been left this programme and I'd like to know a bit more about this trip and match on your next show, if that is okay. So it's a souvenir programme, Jersey Island versus Newcastle United Football Club. Um, That's all we've got. Any idea of the date? It doesn't have a date on the front of it. Can I I jump in there just for a moment to see if this sheds any light on it? Um, because I suspect that's when this match took place. I've told the story before when I've appeared at live gigs, but I was in Jersey with Newcastle United, and it must be this game, at a pre-season game, walked into the hotel, into the dining room at night. Newcastle players were all sitting down the, the bottom of the dining room as a team, and I walked over to an ordinary table, sat down, and this very nasal voice said, John Gibson, what are you doing here? And it was Cluffy, uh, because Brian Clough didn't go on pre-season trips with Forrest. He, he sent his number two, and he was there with Barbara in the hotel, having a break <laughs> before the season started. He asked me why I wasn't having a meal with the team, and I said, well, that isn't the way it works at Newcastle. So he said, right. He said, excuse me. And he got one of the waiters across and he picked up, who picked up all my food. I was in the middle of the main course, just picked it up from in front of me in the bottle of wine and shipped it over to Cluffy's table and plonked it on Cluffy's table. And he said, for the next three nights, you're going to have dinner with me. And I was in the bar afterwards. I was in the bar talking to Cluffy just literally after dinner. And uh Newcastle director who shall be nameless come across and said Brian so lovely to see you etc etc and Cluffy thinking I'd been snubbed by Newcastle because I wasn't allowed to eat with him turned round to the director and said excuse me I'm talking to a personal friend of mine I'll see you later and turned round and said yes John now what were we saying and all <laughs> so it was a lot of great fun Brilliant. and I've got yeah. to think that that was when this program is because we didn't go over to Jersey for preseason friendlies every preseason, so it's got to be that that program was from the time Cluffy played his his little bit with Kibble. When was it though, John? Great, great because it certainly wasn't in the in the five years I was at Newcastle. No, no, great question. Uh, I think Lord Bill was chairman, um, but I mean he was chairman mm. for an awful long time. Yes. Um, Probably, would it be just when was Cluffy in his pump when he won the European Cup, etc. etc. I'm wondering if it was whether it was just before Nottingham Forest that was that was oh, at the the very end of the 70s, yes, 
Yeah, it was before you come to us, Malcolm. No, 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 end of the 70s. No, but I think the time we are talking about where I was with Cluffy on the island wow. is before... I was uh, before that time. Before you come to us. Um, right. But certainly, I can't... Well, you would have been at Derby County then. I mean, I was following Newcastle United all the time then, as you know, uh, every match. Mm. And that's the only time I was pre-season in Jersey. And whether it was before you or after you, it's the only time we played pre-season in Jersey. So mm -hmm. that programme has got to be from that. What I'll do tonight, I'll be whipping on into my... Into my uh, record book from the time and see where yeah. we're playing jersey well let us know if you get a chance make a note right. make a note Steve, before we go on we just um just just hoping that um uh i can see something going into a, a number of record books tonight um as soon as we finish the program here i'm dashing in my car to get down to north shields football ground um oh, they are playing newcastle united under 23s tonight in the Northumberland Senior Cup. Ah, right. Yeah. So um, it, and there's no it's going to be a good loyalties. game. Sorry? There's no split loyalties because you're president of, of North Shields. I'm president of North Shields Football Club, yes. So, so I'm you, totally with North Shields tonight. tonight. Yeah. That's the only time I let you not support Newcastle United, <laughs> man. <laughs> I don't get I won't get a slap on the wrist then, John. <laughs> John. John as, as, as one of our most respected scribes in these parts, uh, any info on ASM? Because we seem to have hit this, like, situation again. Now, this happened under the last manager, Steve Bruce. It appears from his Instagram, we don't know whether this is true or not, that he seems to be in another country. Um, he was missing last week, of course. It was a shock to everybody. There was a lot of people reading things into the way that how his facial expressions were, were, were in his interviews and, you know... All of it's subjective, all of it's allegations, all of it's, you know, people, you know, we had we had Stu Penman on this week who, you know, his opinion is that he feels ASM could be gone in the summer. That's just, just his opinion, not based on any info he's had, by the way. But, you know, is, is there a problem with ASM? Is he not Eddie House type of player? What's your opinion on this, John? Do you think? Well, I think there's always a problem with ASM because he's a naughty boy, isn't he? I think he loves intrigue. He loves social media, etc., etc. And he's got to feel top dog and loved by everybody and needed by everybody. Or it's a little bit of a Kevin Keegan. Here's the dummy out the pram. I mean, yes, we. the intriguing thing is that Newcastle United have been putting out on their site, more or less, that he's in great contention to play on Saturday. And uh, even suggesting when he wasn't in the pits of them training that that was still the case. Then suddenly the Saints got it on Instagram, uh, the pick of him in Monaco going under this treatment for his cough. Now, if you take that at face value, and the picture was bang up to date, like it was immediately put on when it was taken, you begin to think there isn't time for him to come back and play in the game against Brentford. I think there will always be questions around the same because that's how he, he lives his life. And, um, I mean, he did suggest not that long ago, not that long ago, didn't he, that if, uh, 
you know, if, if things didn't improve results wise, he might have to be on his toes. Well, the Chronicles uh, just the Chronicles just put something out there, uh, which I didn't see a little earlier on, and he posted a picture of himself. Uh, he's in Monaco, suggesting he is still recovering from his injury. Uh, Eddie Howe said he hoped that the former Nice winger's injury was not too serious after it forced him to miss the trip to West Ham. Um, yeah. And Newcastle are still not ruling out his involvement against Brentford. So, a little bit of an update from your paper, John. Yeah, that's what I was saying, that he was in Monaco. And, um, yeah, but where does that leave you time-wise, whether he can come back and play? I know you can drop him from Monaco to London very, very quickly if he was wanting to link up with the squad in London, but how physically fit would he then be to, to play in the game or would he just be a bench job or or whatever? And I, I think Alan is a bit of a drama guy and, and, and thrives on it. And okay, that's fine if he goes out and does... The job for us, we could do with him back. There's, there's no question about that because when he does fire, uh, it makes a huge difference. Though I've got to say, in defence of the team that we put out at West Ham, that while Jacob Murphy's a very different sort of player to the Saint, he did his job uh, to a very decent level mm -hmm. down at West Ham. And um, totally agree, John. At least if he's on one wing and Fraser's on the other wing, we've been talking about Wood. Wood knows the sort of service he's got because it's one touch and a, a, and a cross. They've got the capability of doing that, both of them, whereas a maximum will check in, check back out, show the ball and go again. And if you're a centre forward, you're going in, out, in, out, shake it all about because you, you don't know when the ball's going to come. But... Yeah. I mean, in an ideal world, in an ideal world, on Saturday, I would want St Maximum in the team and I would be tempted to have Manquillo in the team for Kraft uh, is my two changes. Mm -hmm. And I would leave Shaw in ahead of Lascelles because he's done yes. nothing to get him out the side. So in an ideal world with everybody fit that's what i would do with the team but if we had to go with the team that played at west ham i wouldn't be crying mm -hmm. Matt, what's your views yeah. on the maverick that is asm um i really would like to see a lot more positivity from him and positivity in the way of of looking to create and make things uh at the I, I think all too often he just goes on mazy runs and he'll go across the pitch and uh, um, and he's never looking a to to get himself in um, in through the uh, defenders uh, and and go at goal and he's not looking to knock anybody else in and he ju he just goes on mazes across the pitch across the pitch uh, and. <sighs> I, I would sit him down personally and I would say, right, come on, here are your stats. You tell me from those stats, how many goals are you going to score in a season? How many goals are you going to make for others in a season? Because at the moment, you're not scoring enough, you're not making enough, but you've got the ball probably more than any other Newcastle player. So... 
come on, you've got to pull your socks up and start to be start to be more constructive in what you do. You've got all the skills under the sun, put them to real use. And uh, it, it might sound like giving him a bit of a, of a bollocking, but um, it, it's, it, it's, it's a, it, I think he's, he's somebody, he needs to be kicked up the bum a lot um, to really fire him. Um, he, he knows he's got the ability, but how to use it. And I think that he just needs to be pointed more in the right direction. And there's another thing. And this, this is something I think very suggestive um, towards uh, um, what's causing me to criticize him um, at the moment. He'll go on the run. He'll come into contact with the defender and then he will actually sit on the pitch for five minutes. Maybe not all of five minutes every time, but I've seen him sit there for five minutes. Come on, that's rubbish. That's nonsense. You get back up, you get back. Uh, um, and that's the professional thing to do. That's, that's, the, the, that's taking your teammates and the team performance into consideration. And he doesn't do that. And so I think there's a lot of criticism that 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 can come his way if he's not if he's not not prepared to put more effort into being more positive. Um, you you can be a fancy Dan all you like, but but so many times we see fancy Dan's not succeeding in the game in this country over over the decades over the generations um, be, that, you know, and, and, and John, you you would have seen Len Shackleton, I'm sure. You know, what a great player, but how frustrating to play with. Yeah, yeah really, yeah. truly frustrating. St. Maximin is much the same um, in, in, in a different way, but he is much the same very frustrating to be in the same side with and if i were in wood's position i would be screaming at some maximum on the pitch and as soon as we got into the tunnel i'd be putting him against the wall and saying you you've got to start knocking it into the box pal I can remember I can remember that you doing that with somebody at Wolves, and I can remember Alan yep. Shearer doing it with Ginola uh, all those years later mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. uh, number nine legends want a service because they know what they can do. Yeah, precisely, uh, um, John. Yeah, and, and 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 when you see somebody just running the ball across the pitch, turning, and then across the pitch, and across the pitch, and across the pitch. Come on, I'm in the box here to score a goal. I ain't going to score a goal while you've got the ball running across the pitch like you are. You know, and you so you finish up beat, beating everybody three times. And for what? You know, it's just the clock ticking down. That's all that's happening. Um, and, and so, St. Maximin, I think, I think what he's got, what's got to happen is that he needs to be directed. He's doing great things, 
But then there comes that moment where he's got to just half a yard to one side or the other, and then bang, let it go. Um, and and that's the part of his game that isn't happening. And that's the most important part of the game for him. Yeah, I would agree. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Hopefully, ASM will be yeah. back this weekend. Yeah. And uh, halfway through the programme, time to do the ads. Thanks to all our sponsors. First up, Spider VPN for all your internet security. Google Spider VPN. They are the boys to trust. They come up at the top of the Google network search. Thanks also to skipsandbins.com. Telephone 0800 25 Email enquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract, free and pay as you go. Waste collection. Thanks also to LNG Family Funeral Directors 01913897245. And to Garden of Healing Dispensary, CBD Hemp and Cannabinoid Specialists www.thegohd.com thanks to arcot interiors you can google them and they come up at the top of the search list also you can also find them on heaton road and they are currently hiring and looking for fitters so contact arcot interiors if you are available to help them with that particular trade qtechshop.co.uk are the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in walls and newcastle and also the guys who run our website jab signature you can find them at jabsignature.co.uk Thanks to Media Arts for all of our video editing. And thank you to newworkwear.com, the specialist in the supply and branding of clothing for the workplace, for providing me with my new jacket. And if you want to subscribe to the show, hit the Newcastle Legends logo in the bottom right-hand corner and you can subscribe for free. We still do seven shows a week and we do some true crime stuff as well. Hit the thumb up under the video to like the video, click share to share to your social media and drop into the comments box to speak to like-minded Newcastle fans or to leave a question. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify and other podcast providers. If you put your phone over this QR code, it will take you straight to our website and you become a Newcastle NUFC Matters member. You get a cup, you get a pen, you get a scarf and entered into our monthly draw where you can win some fantastic prizes. We also do live events and each pre-match and post-match you can find us at the Dog and Parrot and Super Mac gives us a talk about the game ahead. Uh, there is good beer and there is good music and there is a pool table and kids are welcome. So get yourself along to the Dog and Parrot each match day in Newcastle City Centre. We also support the Food Bank on this channel, nufcfansfoodbank.co.uk. You can find the match day bucket, which is operational 365 days of the year, and you can make a virtual deposit. If you want to find us on Facebook, uh, then just search NUFC Matters. We have a page in a group. And if you want to follow me on Instagram, search Steve Wraith. And if you want to follow me on Twitter, search at Steve Wraith. Okay, I've got a question here. Geordie Tune for Life says, question for John. What's the biggest story you've covered in your time as a journalist? It doesn't have to be about Newcastle, he says. Oh, great, great question. Um, I'll tell you what, John. John, while you're having a think on that, can I? there was something I just wanted to say to follow up the bit that before the ads. Well, and it came to me whilst the ads were on. When I was at Tunbridge playing in, in non-league in the um, in, in the mid to, to uh, latter uh, 60s. Harry Haslam was the manager. Now, when he was playing, he had, he, he had been a youngster at Man United. And he told me that there was an adage 
in the club there at Man United that that it was really only got rid of once they signed George Best. And the adage was, and St. Maximin should really think seriously about this, you beat one man, that's really good. You beat two men, that's brilliant. You beat a third man, you dropped. <laughs> Get it in after that. Yeah, yeah, because when do you stop? Yeah. You know, and and that's that pictures some maximum perfectly. You know, that because people are making runs, you know, you know, knock me in, knock me in. Oh dear me. It's it changed with George Best because he could beat five and stick it in the back of neck. But they, absolutely. they don't come along yes, too often. Yeah, he, he was an absolute one-off. Oh, yes, he was. Thinking of what you said off the top of my head, Steve, on what I've covered without having had time to think about it, two things leap out at me um, as being huge, not involving Newcastle, as was said. The first one, if you remember, I covered the, I covered the World Cup final and remember Ronaldo, who was the centre-forward of Brazil, not the Portuguese mm -hmm. Ronaldo, yes. the centre-forward of Brazil that scored a pile of goals. Wonderful, wonderful finisher. He missed the final because he took a fit in the... You're talking of Paris here, John, aren't you? He, he took you're a fit. Of, yeah, you're Ronaldo, talking of Paris. Yes. He, yes. He took a fit in in the hotel on the night before the final. He was rushed into hospital. He was with Carlos. Mm. Uh, he was with uh, Roberto Carlos in the room. He was rushed to hospital. It was all kept quiet, of course. And then he come out of hospital the next day because he wanted to play in the final. He said he was okay. He went down the ground. And an hour before the kickoff, as per, we got the teams in the press box and Ronaldo was not in the team. And that's the first indication we had that anything was wrong. And it was sensational. Because, you know, it's like Manchester United in a European Cup final and George Best isn't in it, etc., etc. So we're absolutely on the phone trying to find out what happens. And then within 20 minutes, a new team sheet comes up without anything announced. A new team sheet comes up and is handed to us all. And Ronaldo is in the team. And we think, wait a minute, wait a minute, we've had a team sheet without them in, we've had a team sheet with them in. And what it was is that he had actually appeared, so we're, we're trying to find the real stories. He had appeared at the ground straight from hospital, tried to convince them because it was the greatest moment of his life with playing a World Cup final, that he was okay. He actually played, never kicked the ball, was substituted, and I think Brazil lost. Uh, but mm. that was one of the greatest sensational stories you're ever going to get in football, where the greatest player in the world is due to miss the World Cup final an hour before the kickoff, and then all of a sudden is put back in the team. What has happened? Has he got an injury? And it turns out he'd had an epileptic fit in the, in, in the hotel the previous night. That was sensational worldwide. The other one is a lot more obvious and it's not football i covered the olympic games in munich when we had the um the palestinians uh 
the Black September gang taking over the Israelis, shooting a lot of them dead, going off to the airport, and uh, then the lights went out and they were all shot. I was stupid enough in that when they had shot off to the airport, I was stupid enough to get in a taxi and ask of, and tell the taxi I wanted to go to the same airport because I wanted to see what happened. We got within about half a mile of the airport just outside of Munich and you could hear the shooting. The taxi driver jumped out of the taxi, left his doors open and said in English, F you, pointing to a slot and took to his toes down the road. In other words, if you think I'm going up there in, in the crossfire, you're joking. And uh, we were left sitting in the taxi with the doors open. Um, another sensational world story, as, as we all know. And I've never had such a feeling. Two days later, the Olympic Games started again, and I'm sitting in a stadium watching somebody do the, that pole vault and thinking, does this really matter? The first time I've thought, does sport really matter? Because we'd had all the massacre, etc., two days before, and it was very, very difficult to uh, to put, to equate all that. Sure. So the big things was Ronaldo and the Munich, uh, the, the Munich disaster at the Olympic Games. The other huge story that I hated cover was Newcastle losing any derby to Sunderland? <laughs> John, just, um, <laughs> just 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 following up on 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 the first part of what you were saying about Ronaldo, I I was there in Paris as well, um, sort of hosting a, a large group of businessmen, and um, uh, and and one of the guys uh, we were up in the we were up behind one of the goals. <coughs> Um, and this was, oh, some 40 minutes before the game was due to start. And the French were out and getting themselves warmed up and passing and what have you. And one of the business guys uh, came and he said, I've been watching you studying all that's going on. He said, um, he, he said why, why are you doing that? And I said, well, have a look down there and tell me what you see or you don't see. Well, he said, uh, no, I'm just, is France warming up? I said, yeah, Brazil aren't. Why? And they didn't go out and warm up before the game. So and much so, confusion, Malcolm. Yes. So there was, much confusion. There, yeah. And, and, and there must have been pandemonium going on. Oh. by the dressing rooms. Absolutely. You know, Absolutely. Because, because the referee, he wants a team sheet. This is the World Cup final. The television companies, they'll be wanting the, the, the team sheet, you know, the, get the teams up on, on a screen and let people know who are playing. And, and there was all this confusion going on. And there was a, just the no-show pre-match. What I've got, Malcolm, which must be unique just as memorabilia, because it always has the time on. I've got the team sheet for the World Cup final uh, an hour before the game with no Ronaldo in. And then I've got mm -hmm. the team sheet 20 minutes later for the World Cup final with Ronaldo in. Yeah. Uh, you know, the first team sheet he ain't in, 20 minutes later he is. It's the greatest final of all time. It's in Paris, it's against France, and of course, France won. Uh, 
But Ronaldo was such a goal scorer in that side. Yes, he was. Yes, he was, John. Huge goal scorer. But but when he came on the pitch, he was trance-like. Oh, he, I was about to say he was literally in a trance and never kicked the ball yeah. all game. It was a mistake. They yeah, played he, with 10 he didn't, men. He didn't run a step. He they played of, with 10 men, Malcolm. Yeah, they stag he staggered about. They played, they played with 10 yeah. men. No and the question. game just went on around him. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in such an important yeah. game. Yeah, yeah. So that one and, and Munich... And Newcastle winning, losing three successive derbies or whatever it was to Sunderland. Dreadful. Question for you there, Mal, from Tell. He goes, a question for Malcolm as a player. What was the most intimidating ground you played at? And do players get affected in the same way that Jordan Pickford seems to at St. James's Park? <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Um, yes, there are those players who will become affected. Um the the ground I found there were two grounds that I found um, really difficult to play at, um, and you could never put your finger on why. Um, is it you know you, your team just doesn't get going or what? But uh, one was Leicester, Filbert Street, not the stadium they play at now, the King Power, um, and the other was Goodison Park, and I always found it a real battle just to get the game going not a battle with everton with the opposition um but almost with you with you, yourself and and the rest of the team all battling just to tr trying to get going and um and sort of get the game uh under your control and it was it was always very very difficult um difficult grounds to play at um and uh, uh, uh but there were others where I oh, couldn't get there quick enough, you know, it was just a joy to play at. <laughs> you knew that, oh yeah, come on, this is this is going to be our day, guys. Let's get there uh, let, and let's murder them. <laughs> yeah, okay, good question, good stuff. Um, Steve says, can we create enough chances at Brentford? We didn't at West Ham. It was a mistake from Rice, to be fair. No clear-cut attempt. Burnley had three against Spurs. Um, okay, let's look ahead to the game. And, and this is, again, another proverbial six-pointer for Newcastle United. We travelled to a new ground for Newcastle fans, Brentford away. Uh, 1,700 of us making the trip down to London once again. Uh, this time, it's a good old-fashioned three o'clock kickoff, though. And uh, from our perspective, it's probably a good time to go and play them. Although Ivan Tony, as we know, who hasn't played for a couple of games, will be itching to play against Newcastle and will no doubt be in the squad. Uh, and, of course, Christian Eriksen. Will be making a debut um, for the uh, bees as well. Uh, he, you know, has recovered from uh, serious heart failure, which saw him collapse on live TV in uh, in, in shocking circumstances. Um, and Brentford have signed him on, so he will probably be making his uh, debut. Uh, as for Newcastle United, well, it's still a little bit too early to find out uh, who is going to be available. But photographs from the training ground would suggest that Manquillo is going to be fit and available this weekend. We do know, of course, that Trippier, Richie and Wilson will all be unavailable. As we've already discussed on the show, uh, we're not sure on ASM. There could be a late call on him. And uh, Ryan Fraser's fitness as well is to be confirmed. Uh, since beating Aston Villa at home uh, in earliest part of January, 
Uh, they've only taken one point from a possible 21. Yeah. And the home form isn't sparkling. Uh, they've won four, drawn two, and lost the other seven. One of uh, the great levelers in this game, of course, is the referee. Mike Dean uh, will be... <laughs> in the middle against Newcastle and uh, not very popular with Newcastle fans. It has to be said, the song It's All About You tends to echo out from the away end whenever we get Mike Dean. On VAR, it is Darren England and VAR, uh, dare I say it, has been switched on on a couple of occasions in recent times for Newcastle. Uh, so hopefully that will be able to help us out if required. But... Uh, after last night's results, let's forget Burnley, lads. Gibbo, let's forget Burnley, right? You know, there's always a team that gets out of it. One or two teams get out of it. There's always a couple of teams dropping like stones. At the moment, Leeds, for me, look like the team in danger. Sharply followed by Everton when you look at their running. I still think Everton will have enough to get out of it. I think Lampard will be shrewd enough. Bielsa looks like he's lost at sea. 6-0 last night against Liverpool. Hasn't done them any favours. The goal difference is certainly a lot worse now than it was a couple of weeks ago. And um, Brentford, of course, if we can get a, a win at Brentford, we've, get, we've still got two games in hand on them. They're right in the mix now. So this is a big, big game. Last week was a big game. We, we got a point against a team in the top four at the time of kickoff. Um, but now, Gibbo, this is a six-pointer. Without a shadow of doubt. And I, I saw a question run around the bottom of the screen earlier. How many teams are in the relegation fight? I think there's seven now. There's the three at the bottom. There's we are fourth, bottom, Everton, Leeds and Brentford. There's seven in the mix with three from seven. Um, and Burnley, yeah, you know, when we won three on the trot, we must have sent shockwaves running around anybody in the bottom half of the table because, oh, here come Newcastle. Burnley have done exactly the same in the last two fixtures by winning 3-0 at Brighton. That was the eye-opener, wasn't it, guys? They scored mm -hmm. three. 3-0, yeah. and then they followed it up with, with Tottenham 1-0. I think Tottenham away from home are always likely to... Uh, have a soft centre, and sure enough, they did. But, you know, let us fear not, my friends, that, you know, that Burnley's coming away. If we presume that Watford and Norwich will probably go down, the third team, I think, will either be Brentford, if we beat them on Saturday, mm -hmm. Or Leeds, who have let in 56 goals in 25 matches, which is horrendous. I think Everton will scrape it. They're very much in it. But the home form might just get them scraped to safety, where they're producing stuff at home in the two games Lampard's played at home and been horrible away, that they might just squeeze in. But I look at, I look at Leeds, you know, and... I've got a feeling that at the end of the season, they might go and Bielsa might go as well from Leeds because I think Bielsa has been touted as a genius and has unquestionably produces attractive football, has got something about him as a coach. But if you look at his record outside of managing Argentina, which is totally different, you're not playing every week, you're playing occasionally, Outside of Argentina, he has never stayed at a club side as long as he stayed at Leeds. 
because what he brings to a club is a huge intensity in training from day one, a huge level of fitness, which initially, as average players looking very good players, but if you do that season after season after season, players become frayed at the edges, there's no plan B, there's a huge intensity about it, which is hard to keep up. And he knows that, which is, and if you look at his club record as well, he doesn't win things, you know. He produces mm. wonderful occasions like he has at Leeds. But out, I'm not talking about the second division championship. I don't count that with us. He doesn't win the top things. That's not a, a go at him, but also he's very stubborn. He will not play the way he plays now, which is why they've let in 56 goals, because he won't try to stop that. He'll try to score one more than they do. Um, so I've got a feeling that the third team to go down with the bottom two could be either Leeds or Brentford. And I've mentioned Brentford a couple of weeks back on this programme as saying, hey, keep an eye on them. They, I mean, as, as Steve said, they've got one point out of the last 21 yeah. and lost in the cup on top of that. We are unbeaten in my last six league games. We've taken 12 points out of 18. We've taken 10 out of the last 12. This is a real opportunity for us. And it is a huge match for them because if they lose this, they are right in it, completely and utterly in it. But I think it'll be Leeds or them. And the other thing we've got to do in this match is when we played at West Ham, all the hype was Zuma, wasn't it? It was Zuma with the cat situation, etc., etc. All yeah. pre-match hype was Zuma. We had to ignore that and get on with the job. Here, all the pre-match hype, very different sort, will be about Ericsson. You know, the, the mm -hmm. emotional comeback, having almost died on the pitch at the Euros, etc., etc. It will all be about him. But if we're truthful, the guy almost died bless him it's wonderful to see him back uh i wish him all the best especially after saturday for <laughs> I wish him all the best but yeah. can how much can he influence the match will he start or will he come off the bench off the bench is the obvious thing to think of he's been seven months out it's it's a heck of a responsibility saying yeah. the first game back after almost dying in seven months out, you're going to run the show and win the game for your side who have been losing until then. More of a concern, I would think, in reality, if somebody having an influence when coming back to the side is Ivan Tony, who, who, who could have an influence for them. But we must put the hype that we had with Zuma, we'll put that to one side, we must put the Ericsson stuff to one side and get on with doing what we did. Because what Malcolm's manager used to say, Joe Harvey always said to me when he when he were talking about um, the opposition, I think he said, Gibbo, if we get it right, let them worry about us. If mm, we get absolutely. It, let them yeah, which is what West Ham had to do about Newcastle last Saturday. So if we get it right on Saturday, Brentford have yeah. got a problem. Let's not get tied down about how wonderful or otherwise Brentford are, or Tony is, or Ericsson is. They've got a problem if we get it right. And we've got to believe we will get it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mal, what's yeah. your thoughts? It's a, it's well, a huge game. 
Yes, indeed, it certainly is. Um, what I, one thing, just going back to uh, last week, um, is that uh, I, I would um, I, I would like to apologise to Joe Linton because I said before the um, uh, before the match that if anybody was to be left out, I would leave Joe Linton out. Although everybody's um, uh, um, really um, wanting him to to play, and in all fairness. In that game, I thought he was absolutely terrific. I really did. Um, and so uh, I, I, um, I, I apologise to him for that. And so I would play him. Um, and uh, that, li and I keep, and I, and, and so puzzling in my head is what do you do with Bruno? Do you just still leave him on the bench yet again? Um, and it, it it's a it's one of those poses that a manager just prays for, mm -hmm. absolutely prays for it because right now and I and it, just out of interest I I looked at you know the marks that are, are, are given in in the Sunday paper um, and, and and I thought I thought Shelby he he was so much more improved he. He just satters the anchor, and, and 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 was always there to help anybody out. Um, and I and I thought the midfield just looked so solid um, during that game. Um, and Shelby got the lowest points of everybody, and I thought that's because he's not going and wanting to do fancy damn passing and all of that. And that's what Newcastle don't want, um, and uh, and and so how does how does Bruno get into the side? Because I think he would do he would do ever so well. Um, and if and I just wonder about about looking at some point during the game to try Bruno playing off of. Uh, um, uh, 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 would as an advanced attacking midfield player, and 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 just see what happens. Who would come off? I don't know. I'd have to leave that to to um, manager Eddie Howe. But I'd like to see that tried if the situation um, exists. But at the moment, I've got to hold my hands up and um, say that uh, um, I was I got it wrong on Joe Linton. He um, he had an absolutely cracking match uh, against West Ham, and I want to see more of it from him. Um, and uh, he, he's obviously enjoying his game. Against Brentford, I don't think Newcastle have to worry about them at all. What they need to do is just work on all the good stuff that, that we've started to see coming from them. And it's and you, I get that feeling that there's something really building, and how big can that actually grow? Well, we'll see over the coming months and couple of years. But it, I get the feeling that it's that the revolution at Newcastle United has started, and well done to Eddie Howe for that.
because yeah, he's, yeah. he's he's built that uh, that base. Score, for Malcolm. Score. I'm going to take Newcastle to win two nil. I mean, from from my point of view, if I may say, guys, um, taking up Miles' point because it's so so interesting about Bruno, etc., etc. And it's only my opinion. It's certainly not necessarily Miles or Steve's or the managers. But I don't think you can drop any of the three midfield players that have just played. You cannot leave them out collectively or individually. Willock was absolutely outstanding. Scored his yes. first goal. Joe Linton's doing terrific. Shelby yeah. is the anchor, as Malcolm talked about. I don't think you can start with Bruno. I'll tell you when they'll start with Bruno. They'll start with Bruno when we lose a match. And that might be 1-0 at Chelsea away. And Bruno will start yeah. the next game. So I'm forecasting that Bruno's first <laughs> debut will be the game after Chelsea. Uh, as far as Mal says, I don't think you'll see Bruno go on. And it's a fascinating thought. And players at chief support the wood uh, during a game or at the start of a game. Because he is essentially a lower Brazilian and a great passer in in as much as you play next when he has the ball because he makes certain he passes to one of his own. He's a deep lying midfield player. He will play in front of the back four. He has got this physicality where he gets his body between ball and opponent and wins it and he gives it so that we play next. I don't think he'll play up the park ever. I think he'll be deep. Um, and we've got to wait for that to happen. It won't right. happen. So there's no way. space for him, John, though. Eh? There's no space there for him. They knew what they were buying, Malcolm. They bought a deep-lying midfielder who puts his body on the line, breaks up play, and then passes it short but decisive to somebody yeah. else. You won't come out and, and, and do a, 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 a driving midfielder and suddenly spray a 30-yard pass. I think the last time he did a 30-yard pass, he was probably 16. Um, anyway, down there, down there, Newcastle to win. I'm going to let them have a goal because if you look at our recent record, we never let in more than one, but we always seem to let in one. So I'm going 2-1 to Newcastle. <laughs> but I don't. I, I would even settle more for Malcolm's score. Stephen, you've got to put your score on the line, my son. I'm going for a 1-0 win. I think it'll be a tight game. I think it'll be a tight, tight game. And but I'm going to go. Going to get the goal like I was. Asking. And I'm going to go. I'm going to go one nil, and I'm going to go for Joe Willock to continue his run. And we haven't even touched on Joe Willock. I thought he played really well. He's been most improved mm -hmm. over the last few weeks, and he coined up with a yes, goal last week. Um, I'm going to back him to get the winner. One nil, lads. But uh, well, I, I, I don't care what the score is. We've got three different scores, but we've all agreed Newcastle's won. If that happens, that'll do for me. It can yeah, be 2-0, 2-1 or 1-0. That'll do for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great stuff, lads. We've gone into extra time. Uh, look forward to seeing you next week. Take care, lads. Love All you right, soon. Take everyone. care, boys. Bye.
Unity 